Brother Pete beat me up here to church by one hour, and then he come back, and I was still not here, and we had, uh, I was running just a little bit late. And the reason why, Brother Pete, I was running a little bit late is because last Wednesday, I was running a little bit late, so I dropped the hammer. I mean, from up here, yeah, don't tell on me, but from up here to there, I was dropping the hammer, man. I, was, I dropped the hammer down, and I got up here really early Wednesday night, and I was real proud of myself, you know, because I didn't run into any cops or anything. Because where there's no law, there is no transgression, right? Amen. Okay. Make sure we're on the same page. So uh, I, I was all happy and everything, and I think my wife could read my mind because she's like, man, we got here fast. You were doing really good time. And I was like, yeah, I dropped the hammer on that. And I think she read my mind because I was about to say something about a bat. I was driving like a bat, and she read my mind. And she said, yeah, you were driving like a dove out of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, not, it's no fun to be married to a preacher's wife. <laughs> it's no fun at all. They straighten you out. You were driving like a dove out of heaven. Yeah, I was. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. Revelation, Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat. And great authority. Now, I preached on this last Sunday, and I don't, for time's sake, I can't go into describing everything's going on there, but this is a description of the Antichrist empire rising up. And uh, go back to next Sunday. I think it should be up there somewhere on Facebook, but you'll find that. Uh, or up on, uh, I think, SoundCloud. We put all the sermons up on SoundCloud, too. If, you, if, if Facebook, sometimes Facebook takes me down. YouTube knocked me down at least two or three times and threatened to kick me off permanently because I kept talking about COVID. So I got to where I don't even put stuff up on YouTube as much. But I preached on this last Sunday, and it'll help you kind of understand that. But, so that's a rise of the Antichrist. It's the Antichrist kingdom. But notice verse 3, one of, and I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you bless this teaching, this preaching, Lord God. I pray, Father, you open our eyes to the truth, Lord God, as we see these things come to pass before our very eyes, Lord. I pray, Father, we'd be ready. We'd get ready, Lord God. If, if we're saved, Lord, we'd get ready and get out witnessing, Lord, and telling people about you, Lord. And if we're not saved, Lord, that we'd get saved and we'd get and know the time is short, Lord, and we need to make a decision. Lord, I pray you bless these people who come out here this morning. They could be anywhere else. For the chosen to come in here, Lord God, and to be with you, Lord. And I pray, Father, you bless them for that and write them in your book of remembrance. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So he's saying there that one of those heads, which that head is the Antichrist, takes a wound to the, is wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed. And then notice verse 4. And they worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. So they're worshiping the dragon. We know the dragon there is Satan. So they're worshiping Satan. And saying, who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? There's two different statements there. Who is like unto the beast? That's a religious statement. They see this miraculous thing that the, 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 the Antichrist gets wounded, and, and he dies, and he's resurrected. And they're like, well, this is a, this is a kind of religious thing going on here. Some kind of spiritual thing, supernatural. And then at the end of verse 4, who is able to make war with him? That's a political statement. So it's a religious statement and a political statement. And you're going to notice with the Antichrist that his kingdom is a religious and a political thing mixed together. It's about God and about politics. And I'm going to show you that this morning. Morning. And the Antichrist evidently gets assassinated is what we're looking at here. Verse 5, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. 
Blasphemy is calling something God that's not God. And that's going to be one of the great traits of the Antichrist. Is he going to call himself God when he's not God? He's going to call other things God that are not God. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. There it is again, 40 and two months. That's three and a half years. So what you have going on here is the Antichrist, according to Daniel chapter 9, is going to make a covenant with Israel. And he's going to make a covenant with Israel for seven weeks, which would be, uh, would be one week, which would be seven years. A week equals seven years in, in Scripture. So you have a one week or seven year period the Antichrist makes an agreement with Israel. It appears to be to build a third temple. I'll show that to you in a minute. And when he, he makes that agreement to build a third temple, halfway through that seven years, three and a half, three and a half, remember it's 1,260 days, three and a half years, one times, times two times, it's always three and a half, 42 months. So halfway through that, something happens. And that agreement's broken, and a great tribulation breaks forth. He comes in peaceably, and then halfway through, he starts trying to kill all the Jews, and they start running, and everything's happening. What appears to be is he gets assassinated. Three and a half years into his reign, he gets assassinated. He, and you see it, he takes the deadly wound, verse 3, and is wounded, and one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And they all wondered after the beast. Look, okay, skip back down to verse, four, uh, verse, verse 6. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name. So he's talking bad about God, he's talking bad about Jesus Christ. That's how he's going to come in. He's going to talk bad about God. He's going to talk bad about his name, the name of Jesus Christ, Lord Jehovah, and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. His tabernacle. So that tells you there has to be a third temple built. And I'll show you more about that. There's a third temple built. Now, the Jews, now this, a hundred years ago, this was impossible. And they would tell you as much as like, the Bible's not true because for the Bible to be true, Israel has to be in the land, and Israel's never going back to the land. That's impossible. They've been spread. It's been for 2,000 years. The Jews have been spread all over the world. And then what happened? In 1940s, you had Hitler come in. Hitler had the Holocaust. He killed about 6 million of the Jews. And after, the, after World War II, they needed a place to go, so they started uh, looking at a place to go back to the land. And they got the land back in 1948. Israel became a nation. Guys, that was the greatest sign that you're living in the end times, when Israel became a nation in 1948. And in 1948, when they became a nation, that's when they started working. And you see God's hand moving. And from that point on until today, they've been building, working on building the third temple, putting it up on that mount that you see in Israel. It's coming, brothers and sisters. And when that third temple starts getting built, and I think the Antichrist is going to help build it, that's when you know to pack your bags. We're about to get raptured out of here. That's what's about to happen. All right, so verse 7. And it was given unto him, that be the Antichrist, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the saints, that be Jew, Jew, Jewish saints, tribulation saints. We're raptured out. We're gone. And power was given to him over all, A-L-L, kindreds and tongues and nations, including America, including Russia, including China. All nations are going to be under this one world leader. Verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. You better worship him. Whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb. There we go. It's the Lamb's book of life. That's where you want your name written at. Slain from the foundation of the world. That means that Jesus Christ was, he was prophesied from the foundation of the world to come and die for our sins. Verse 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. Now, we're not going to go too deep into this because I'm going to preach on this soon, but skip down to verse 14 and I'm going to show you something about this assassination attempt on the Antichrist. 
Verse 14. Now this is the false prophet, and he's talking here, or is being talked about here. And deceiveth them, the false prophet deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, or the Antichrist, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound, end of verse 14, which had the wound by sword, by sword, and did live. So you, there's an indication of how the Antichrist, they're, they're going to try to assassinate the Antichrist. It's with the sword. Now back in the 90s, when I was first reading this, started studying this in the early 90s, that didn't make any sense to me because I was like, well, they have guns. Why would they try to do that with the sword when they have guns? Well, now we're living in 2023, and Rod, I know is they're trying to control guns. It's all about gun control, and they're trying to everything they do to get guns under control and get rid of guns, and, and now you're seeing now where the Antichrist has took a wound with a sword and it, now, go back, now, now we know it's a wound by a sword. Go back to verse 3, and let's read this again together, and then we'll get a little deeper into this. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, as it were wounded to death. So you'll hear me say, I think the Antichrist dies and is resurrected. Now, there's a chance that he just looks like he dies and resurrected. Now, we know that the false prophet comes forth with all li signs and lying wonders and miracles. The false prophet, the one we just read about, and I'll preach on him soon. But he shows up, and it looks like the Antichrist should die or does die, because it says, as it were wounded to death. So you got to read the whole thing, as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. So it sounds like a wound that's a deadly wound. He should die or he does die, and then miraculously he comes back alive and he's resurrected. Look at Daniel chapter 8. Turn to Daniel chapter 8. You can't study the book of Revelation without studying the book of Daniel. Because all, all, the, all the little details about the Antichrist is going to be found in Daniel. So turn to Daniel chapter 8. And let's study, this, study what, what causes the Antichrist to get assassinated. That's a good question. It's like, well, he's a world leader. He's, we got, he's got all, this, uh, all the power. He's got all the religious power, political power. Something happens where he takes a sword, takes a sword to the head, a deadly wound to the head. He gets a sword to the head, and he lives. Look at Daniel chapter 8. So look at verse 3. Daniel chapter 8, verse 3. It's one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible right here. This right here, the, Daniel chapter 8 should prove to you you got the right book. Because you're going to see an amazing prophecy happen hundreds of years before it even took place. Look at verse 3. Then I lifted up mine eyes, and this is Daniel seeing a vision. Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns. And the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him, neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. So this is a vision of a ram that's very powerful, and he's, he's conquering everybody. Verse 5. And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth, came from the west, and touched not the ground. He's moving fast, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. So here comes this he-goat. He's got this big horn before in it, between his eyes, and, he's, got, and he's, he's charging this ram. Verse 6. And he came to the ram that had the two horns, which, had, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran into him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with collar against him. Collar would be like anger. And the ram, I mean, the, the goat was moved with collar against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns, 
and there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him to the ground, down to the ground, and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. So he says, I see his vision of the ram. He's got two horns, but here comes this big, this he, this he goat. has got one big horn, comes up there. Man, he just stomps on that real fast and just boom, 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 just destroys that ram. What does that mean, Brother Keegan? We'll skip down to verse 19. The Bible tells you what that is. The angel tells Daniel what he's seeing here. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. See, all this stuff is appointed. All the stuff you're reading about happened in history, but it's going to happen in the end. It's, it shoots towards the end of the time. Look at verse 20. Here's the interpretation. The ram, which we saw, which we read about, which thou sawest, having two horns, of the kings of Media and Persia. So last Sunday I preached on how Daniel had seen a vision. And it was, uh, I mean, uh, Daniel seen a vision, but uh, Nebuchadnezzar had seen a dream of a statue. And the gold represented Babylon, and the Medes and Persians came in, and the Greeks, and then the Romans, and then the revised Roman Empire, and then the Antichrist Empire. And all of that was prophesied in Daniel. So this is going back to that. That ram represents the Medes and the Persians. One horn represented the Medes, one horn represented the Persians. And I told you how the Persian side was bigger, and that's why one of them horns was higher. But look at verse 21. Amazing, amazing prophecy. Verse 21. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Who is the first king of Grecia? His name was Alexander the Great. See that great horn? And the great horn? When this was prophesied, brothers, you've got to understand history. When this was written down, when this was prophesied through Daniel, Grecia was just a little bitty island that had nobody on it. It was a nothing. And it was being prophesied that that big, huge army of the Persians combined with the Medians is going to be destroyed by the first Grecian king. And he's going to be a great horn. And he was called, we know in history, called Alexander the Great. And he's represented as what there? As a he-goat. Now go, don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Go to Google or go to a good world history and look up Alexander the Great. And what you're going to find about Alexander the Great was, Alexander the Great, when he came in to Jerusalem to destroy Jerusalem, to conquer it, he came in and they came out and they showed him at that time, they showed him Daniel, what we're reading here in Daniel, and they showed him that it was prophesied to him to be the king and to destroy the Medes and the Persians. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, he, he told and wrote that when Alexander the Great was shown that, that it, he was excited because he said, I had a dream from God to go forth and to conquer and to have dominion. And he spared Jerusalem when he saw that he was prophesied by their people to be the king that destroyed the Medes and the Persians. It was written right there. And he spared Jerusalem because of that. And if you go and look at history, look at coins. Just type in Alexander the Great coin. The coins that Alexander the Great had inscripted would show his side profile. They always showed the side profile. And right here was one horn. And on the coins, Alexander the Great, Alexander the Great, the rough goat. You got the right book, brothers and sisters. So I'm showing you, what I'm trying to tell you is everything that's written down here came to pass exactly how it was written. Now go back up, go back up to verse 8. If you can, if you know that happened. The Bible is 100% accurate. Now go to verse 8. Let's see what happened. Therefore, the he goat. Back at verse 8, Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and he did, Alexander the Great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken. What happened? And for, came, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of the 
heaven. So what happened was Alexander the Great was about 32 years old and he died. They, think, they say he drunk himself to death. He might have got some disease. Nobody really knows for sure, but he died at a very young age, right in his early 30s. Alexander the Great died, and when he died, his kingdom was split up before his, between his four generals. You see that right there? Great horns broken, and for it came up four noble ones. So you had those four, and they split it up between Syria, Asia Minor, between Greece, what we know as Greece, his kingdom, between Egypt. There was four. They separated out, and, four, and the four generals took four parts of that. And out of one of them, so out of one of those four kingdoms, look at verse 9, came forth a little horn. That's the Antichrist. That's your guy that we're reading about this morning. The little horn. Do you know that Hitler was really little? He's a tiny guy. He's about this tall. You know Napoleon was about that tall, right? You know Charles Manson was about this tall? That's very interesting. See, so don't trust little people. Is what's no, that's not what that means. But I'm showing you that the prophecy there is of a little horn, and that's why so many people thought Hitler was the Antichrist. He's a little guy, he's a little horn, he speaks great things, blasphemies, all that stuff. He's a type of the Antichrist. See, what Hitler was is a sign for the world to see and to know that it's coming, and the world won't take the warning. And he came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. Now, when you study out the end of verse 9, that would put... The ant, that little horn coming forth from Syria. If you've ever heard the Antichrist being a Syrian Jew, that's where that comes from right there, verse 9. That's where we think he's going to be a Syrian Jew. He's going to come from Syria. Syria is north of Israel today. Verse 10, and it waxed great, talking about this little horn, the Antichrist, it waxed great even to the host of heaven and cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Wow, that sounds just like Revelation 12 where it says there was a war in heaven and the devil and his angels and the, Michael and his angels fought and Michael and the, Ar Michael the archangel and his angels kicked the devil out of heaven. And when he kicked the devil and his angels out of heaven, they came down to the earth. Visitors from outer space, here they come down to the earth. And the Bible says, woe unto the earth because the devil knows he has a short time. What, about three and a half years? So there you go, verse 10 is telling you that's exactly what we read in Revelation 12. Verse 11, verse 11, Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. That, the prince of the host, that's Jesus Christ. And by him, by the Antichrist, the daily sacrifice was taken away. Brothers and sisters, there has to be a third temple. There, there, there's not a daily sacrifice today, and that's, what's wrong. that's why the Jews want a third temple. They want that temple to be built because they want to start sacrificing again to God. They want to go back to that Levitical law that you read about starting in Exodus all the way through Deuteronomy and Leviticus. They want to do all that stuff, but they can't. They can't keep the Old Testament law because they don't have that third temple. They need the Holy of Holies. They need the most holy place. And what you'll see all around associated with the Antichrist is a third temple, is a third temple, is a third temple. Why do I keep saying a third temple? The first temple, the first temple was built and destroyed. Solomon's temple was built with the greatest temple, maybe the greatest building ever built by mankind, the temple by Solomon, and it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And then during Jesus' time, Herod built, rebuilt the temple that was called the second temple. And then after the Jews were dispersed after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Romans came in and they destroyed that temple. Remember what Jesus Christ said about that temple? He said, see this temple right here? It took them 50 years to build it. He said, see this temple right here? He said, there won't be a left a stone, one, one stone left upon another. 
And they're like, wow, it took 50 years to build this. What happened? Well, when the Romans came in to destroy the Jews, they took that, those stones and pushed them off that Temple Mount. So if you look at today, that Temple Mount's flat except for the Dome of the Rock where the Muslims were at. They took that, those stones and pushed them off looking for gold. They thought the Jews had gold buried in there. And they were looking for that gold. Just like Jesus prophesied. You got the right Messiah in Jesus Christ. So now, 2,000 years later, oh, the Bible's not true. If it was true, then there'd have to be the Jews back in the land. They'd have to have a temple. Well, lo and behold, they're back in the land. And lo and behold, they're trying to get the, they're trying to get the temple rebuilt. And we're seeing the Antichrist is probably more likely going to help them get that temple rebuilt. Why don't the Jews rebuild the temple today? They got the money. They got all the stuff. They got it all gathered. Why won't they rebuild it today? Because of Muslims. The Temple Mount is controlled by Islam. And up on top of that Temple Mount, where the original temple was built, over to the side is the Dome of the Rock, where they claim Muhammad in a dream went off from a rock. And that Temple, that Dome, you, if you look at pictures of Israel, you'll see that golden dome sitting up on top of that hill there. That's the Dome of the Rock. So the Muslims will not let a Jew up there. There's no way you can go up there. So that's the problem. That's the holdup. It's like, who's going to allow a Jew to come up there and rebuild their temple? Because there's space up there to do it. There's space enough to do it, but the Muslims won't let them do it. So the Antichrist evidently is going to come in, and he's going to be able to talk to them. Somehow or another, he's going to be able to talk the Muslims into allowing the Jew to come up there and to build that third temple. That's the agreement. That's the covenant he's going to make. Skip down to verse 23. Here's another prophecy. Here's the angel describing that little horn. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, let me ask you a question. Do you still feel like the transgressors are coming to a full right now? Are we full? Is this country getting about full of sinners and transgressors? And I don't know about y'all, but that's how I see it. When the transgressors are come to a full, a king of fierce countenance. A fierce countenance. I mean, he's going, to look, he's going to look mean. He's going to have a fierce countenance to him. Countenance, look on your face. He's a king. That's the Antichrist. And understanding dark sentences. Dark sentences like the occult, witchcraft, Satanism. There's a rise in Satanism in America. And witchcraft and the occult. He understands dark sentences. She'll stand up. She'll stand up. Jesus Christ says, He that reads. Jesus Christ says, When you see the abomination, Jesus Christ said, When you see the abomination of desolation, stand. Run. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. That's what Jesus Christ said. What he's talking about right there, something happens. The Antichrist, it appears like the Antichrist is wounded. looks like he dies. He, maybe he does die. He's put into that temple, and then he rises up, and Jesus Christ says, when you see it, stand. You better run. And he stands up, and what does he say? According to Paul, he says, I'm God, worship me. And the last three and a half years is hell on earth. As God's pouring his wrath out, and as the devil's going to try to kill all the Jews, everybody won't worship him. That's what you have going on there. Verse 24, and his power should be mighty, but not by his own power. So it's a spiritual power from the devil and a political power. Because remember, when we first read about the Antichrist, remember way back in Revelation, when the seals were opened up, that he came forth, and it, he, was, he was a white horseman, but he had a bow, but no arrows, just carrying a bow. That spoke to political power. Now notice, he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. The holy people there in Daniel is the Jews. Now look at verse 25. And through his policy, through his policy, who has policies? Politicians. 
I don't have any policies. Y'all have any policies? Now, at my house, I have rules. <laughs> well, I don't have policies. Politicians have policies. Through his policy, he's going to be a great politician. Also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. He shall magnify himself in his heart. He's going to say, I'm God. And by peace shall destroy many. Ah, peace, peace. Ah, everything's, I'm bringing in peace. I'm going to bring it. He's going to destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes. Who's the prince of princes? That's Jesus Christ. But he shall be broken without hand. Jesus is going to destroy him at the battle of Armageddon. Verse 26. And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore shut thou up the vision. Notice, for it shall be for many days. I'm here to tell you we're in those many days. We're getting closer. We're getting really close. Turn to Daniel chapter 11. Turn to Daniel chapter 11. Let's look more about the Antichrist. We're trying to find out why is the Antichrist assassinated? Why would make him get assassinated? And we're trying to figure this out, puzzling it together. Daniel chapter 11, verse 21. We're going to puzzle this together by looking at why, how the Antichrist is described in Daniel and why he, uh, how he acts in Daniel, and we can kind of get an idea maybe. Daniel chapter 11, verse 21. Here's some more prophecies of the Antichrist. And in his estate shall stand up a vile person. A vile person, to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Yep. He's going to be a good dictator. He's going to be a good I mean, orator. He's going to be a good speaker. He's going to come in. He's going to be able to flatter. He's going to tickle the ears. He's going to tell them what they want to hear. He's going to be great. He's going to be very, very, very charismatic. Daniel Cross will be very charismatic. But notice, at the beginning of verse 21, and in his state shall stand up a vile person. Now, I tell you all this all the time because it's very important. You always got to, you always got to, uh, when you define words out of the Bible, you got to let the Bible define that word. Use the, let the Bible define its own words. And that word vile, when you look that word up, it's always associated with homosexual acts. That would be Judges chapter 19, verse 24, Romans chapter 1, verse 26. Look it up if you don't believe me. Look it up if you don't believe me. Now skip down to verse 36, and I'm going to show you why that's important. Homosexual acts, verse 36. And the king, the king, that's the Antichrist, shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god. Remember I said he's going to say, I am God. That's 2 Thessalonians. And shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. So it's determined that Antichrist to do all this stuff. But look at verse 37. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. That's the only thing he's going to be a Jew. He's going to be part Jew. Part Syrian and part Jew. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. Nor the desire of women. Could be a homosexual. Now when I first started studying this back in the early 90s, and I started, uh, I, I remember I taught a little bit about this in Sunday school because we were, back when I was younger, we went through the study of, of Revelation and we went to this verse, and I remember in Sunday school where it said, nor the desire women, I said, it looks like the Antichrist could be a homosexual. I had a brother in Christ stop me outside of church, after church, and said, come here, I want to talk to you. I said, okay, what are you going to talk about? He goes, there's no way the Antichrist could be a homosexual. I said, okay, well, I mean, that's what you believe. I said, I think he might be. He could be. That's the way I'm reading it. He goes, well, there's no way. I said, well, why do you think there's no way? He goes, because there's no way the world would accept a, hom accept a homosexual as a leader. <laughs> now, at that time, I didn't say nothing. But if you come up to me today after church and say that, I'm going to laugh in your face. Have you, have you noticed how it's pushed down your throat? 24-7. 
24-7. The government, Biden, whatever that girl's name is, it speaks for, her, for him. They're always pushing that. We just had Transgender Day just a couple days ago. It's pushed down your throat to the point where, and if you don't accept it, you're a bigot and a homophobe, and you're evil. That's where they're pushing it. And now, I mean, 30 years later, I look at this, and I'm like, wow. The world won't accept the homosexual. I'm wondering if the world would accept you if you weren't a homosexual. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, that's, it's wicked. It's a sin. It's a mental illness. It needs to be preached against. It needs to be preached against. And I'm not trying to offend you or hurt your feelings. I'm trying to wake you up to the truth of what God says. It's a sin just like lying. It's a sin just like any other sin. It needs to be repented of. And when you need to fight against it. You don't need to glorify it and absorb yourself in it. It'll, it'll, it'll kill you. Anybody seen the Jesus Revolution movie? Somebody, nobody's seen the Jesus Revolution movie? In that movie, there's a great preacher in there, and he wins a lot of people to Jesus Christ. And at the end of his life, he went back into homosexuality. And he died of AIDS. And on his deathbed, he wrote a confession. He said, you know what? God's paying me for the sin I did. And I deserve everything I can get in the flesh. But I know that my soul's saved. And when I wake up, I'm going to wake up in the arms of Jesus. But the way, he said, but the wages of sin is death. And I've earned those wages, and now I'm dying. That's a true confession of a Christian that slipped back what he shouldn't be doing. That goes for anything, any kind of sin you do. I'm not just picking on one sin, but I'm here to tell you, don't come to me and say that sin is right. That sin is not right. That sin is evil. Just like adultery, just like lying or anything, that sin is evil. And don't come up here and call evil good. I think I read that somewhere, right? Y'all reading your Bibles? Woe unto them to call evil good and good evil. I'm trying to do what's right and trying to show something that's righteous and show something that's sin, and they're saying I'm evil. And when you stand up and say, hey, that evil, that's really good, they're like, oh, that's good, that's good, you're doing good. No! Uh-uh. It's time to stand up, guys. It's time to tell the truth. What's the truth? This book, not my opinion, not what I say. I'm telling you what the book says and what it preaches. Amen, amen, amen. And we need more preaching on that. We're slipping away. Church is kind of, crawl by, kind of crawfishing. We're kind of backing up. We're kind of afraid. We don't want to offend somebody. It's sin. And, the home, and it looks to me like, and if I'm reading that right, he has no desire of women. It's either he's going to be a homosexual or he's going to be a Muslim that doesn't have anything to do with women. It completely has nothing to do with women. Don't want to have women around him or anything. Just like any kind of Muslim in any of these, in like the Afghanistan, any of those. Nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Verse 38. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. The God of forces. May the force be with you. Didn't we just read back in Daniel 8 there were Star Wars, they were up in there and they were fighting? May the force be with you, the God of forces. That's a spiritual thing, guys. That's a supernatural thing. That's something going on there that's not natural. It's a God of forces. And a God whom the, his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and with pleasant things. Verse 39, thus shall he do in the most strongholds. Uh, the Bible says that there'll be, there'll be dens, that there'll be hiding out underground in bunkers. And the Bible says that they'll be hiding out and then the earth will shake and earth, big earthquake. And they'll be trying to crawl out from underneath these un underground bunkers. I think it's interesting to know that the government's got underground bunkers that they've built. And they're all around the world. They'll, be, he'll, he'll do this in the most strongholds with a strange God. I tell you what a strange God is. It's Allah. That's a strange God. 
whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, and he shall cause them to rule over me. And notice, guys, this is the most important thing I tell you this morning. And shall divide the land for gain. This book, you might not believe this and even know it, but I'm going to open your eyes to something. When you read this book, what you're going to find out, this book is a land agreement. Starting about Genesis chapter 12, God says to a man named Abram, that later on he calls Abraham, he says, you know what, I'm going to give you a piece of land. It's a land, it's an everlasting covenant. And that land belongs to you and your generations forever. And as you read through this book, you're going to see that that land agreement, when Abraham has kids, he has a kid named Isaac and he has a kid named Ishmael. When that comes, God says, nope, that land goes to Isaac, it doesn't go to Ishmael. The Ishmael is where the Muslims come from, according to the Bible. And that's where the Muslims agree. Muhammad said he was a 72nd descendant of Ishmael. And that's when they trace their lineage back to Abraham, just like the Jews trace their lineage back to Abraham. But the, here's the point is God says they're going to be a blessed people. I'm going to make them the father of many nations. But they don't get the land. The land goes to Isaac. And then it goes to Jacob. And then it goes to his 12 sons. And then out of him comes the man Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He gets to rule that land. And when you go through this, it's all about the land. And then you get here, you, what's Antichrist doing? Dividing the land for gain. So what's going on in Israel today? Hey, give the Muslims just a little bit of the Gaza Strip and everything will be okay. Let's make a peace agreement. So they do, and what do they do? They fire a missile every day over in Israel trying to kill them. Read, man, just read history. It's all right there. Zechariah chapter 11 in closing. Turn to Zechariah. Here's the great prophecy that I've been waiting to show you. And then we'll, we'll talk all this through and we'll be done. Zechariah chapter 11 verse 17 and we'll be done. We're right on time. Zechariah chapter 11 verse uh, 17. We're piecing all this together and then let's see if we can figure it out. We might not 100% figure this out, but we can have a good idea of maybe what's going on here. With the Antichrist getting that deadly wound and then coming back alive. Daniel chapter 11, verse 17. So everything I showed you that the Bible prophesied about the Antichrist, that's going that's to go, rub people the wrong way. And it appears to me that if the Antichrist builds a third temple, you know who's not going to like that third temple? I can tell you who's not going to like the third temple. It's the Muslims. They're not going to like that third temple. And there's no way. You know, the Bible says they're a wild people. Their hand's against every man's hand. They're, they're, the Muslims are a wild people. They're, they're willing to blow themselves up to prove a point. Amen? All right, so they're not going to like that third temple being built. So it appears that the, the Antichrist is up there. Maybe he's dedicating that third temple. Maybe he's about to dedicate that third temple. He's up there visiting the third temple, and they've got, they got a ban on guns. You can't have a gun around the Antichrist. Got but they've got the troops up there, and they've got, they got, like you'd see, the British soldiers. They'll be up there, and they're, they're all dressed up to the garb, and they've got, the they got the little honorary uh, swords there. They're there, there, and they're kind of protecting. They're just kind of guards there, and somehow or another, one of them gets close enough where he pulls, he decides, this is my chance, and he takes the sword out, and he comes across. And he tries to cut the head off of the Antichrist. And when he does, he cuts him right here, hits his right shoulder, takes out his head with his right eye and cuts right into here. Look at verse 17. Woe to the idol shepherd. I-D-O-L. Idol is something you worship. Shepherd is a religious leader. To the worshipped, the worshipped religious leader. Woe to the idol shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword, there it is, the sword, remember the sword, shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean dried up and his right, right eye shall be utterly darkened. There's the prophecy about the Antichrist getting assassinated with a sword. 
And it looks like it comes like right here and hits him in the right eye. Just hits him in the right eye and comes up. And when it does, it causes his arm to dry up like that. Back in 1996, Senator uh, Bob Dole ran for president. Y'all remember him? He would always carry around a pencil or a pen like this because his right arm didn't work. So when, he didn't want people to come up here and try to shake his hand, so he'd carry it around like this, and he'd reach out with his left hand and shake your hand. And he'd carry that pen so nobody would accidentally... You couldn't do anything, and they, they, you'd know. And if you look at pictures of Senator Bob Dole, a lot of pictures he's got a pen in his hand like that. His arm was all dried up. You know how many brothers I knew called him the Antichrist? Because <laughs> they knew that verse right there. Was he the Antichrist? No. Back in 1967, when the Israel became a nation, the Six-Day War took place. And man, Israel, with the power of God, whipped those Muslim nations. He, he whipped them for six days. United Nations and had to come in with the United States and shut them down because Israel was about to take over all of Egypt and everything else. They were about to run the, get all that land back that God promised them. And the United Nations came in and shut them down after six days. The general of that was a guy named Moshe Dion. And you know what he had? He had a patch over his eye. And they thought, this is the Antichrist. He comes in, he helps them win, get the land back. He, they got the temple back in the six-day ward, but they ended up giving it back. All that pointed to the Antichrist, but the problem was that patch was over his left eye, not over his right. He wasn't the Antichrist. Guys, I want to, show, I want to tell you this. I want you all to look for this anytime you see pictures. Go on the Internet and look for this. Go anywhere on the Internet. Just Google it up. First thing you'll notice on the back of your $1 bill is an all-seeing eye. You're going to see an all-seeing eye on top of that pyramid. That's a Luciferian all-seeing eye. I want you to look for this. Whenever you Google up any kind of celebrities, go look up any celebrity you love. Go, look up, go Google up pictures of them, and you'll notice them doing this kind of stuff all through these pictures like this. They'll have their hand over their right eye. Or they'll be doing this like this. What are they doing? They're trying to tell you something you, already, you should already know. They're part of that antichrist system that's coming. Of the all-seeing eye, that left eye. The left eye is the cursed eye. Remember Christ said to the right, those sheep come to my right, go into everlasting life. Those, the goats, the cursed, go to my left, the left, the left, into everlasting fire. That's where Jesus puts them. So the right eye on the Antichrist and the right arm shriveled up, it's the left that can see the cursed, the cursed. <laughs> I think a Muslim gets a hold of the Antichrist trying to pay him back for building that temple and tries to kill him. And when he tries to kill him, it looks like he killed him. It looks like he, took, he definitely took a deadly wound. He should die. He lays there. All the world's watching. And the Antichrist is laying there. And all of a sudden, here he comes up. I'm God. Worship me or die. I'm going to be glad I'm up in heaven at that time. And if you're not saved, that's what you're going to get to see on TV. And I pray to God you'll get saved so when the Lord comes back to take us out of this hell hole before it all breaks loose, you go up there with us and we'll be having a good time up in heaven. What are we going to be doing? We're going to get ready to come back. The Bible says we're going to have a great marriage feast. It's going to be a big old marriage. Everything's going to be going great. We're going to have a big old supper. And then we're going to look over there and way across over there we're going to see a white horse being brought out. And we're going to see Jesus Christ come out and he's going to have a crown of crowns on him. He's going to have a white robe. And on the side of that robe, it's going to say, King of kings and Lord of lords. And we're going to see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ get up on that horse. He's going to say, Mount up. We're going back to get what belongs to us. And boy, here we go. And who's on the other side? The Antichrist and all his demons. 
demons and devils and the world and the nations that come against Christ. And here comes Christ and we're going to be following with him. It's going to be the battle of Armageddon. The Bible describes it like an atomic bomb going off. Boom. The Bible says that flesh, while they're standing, their eyes are literally melt off in their face as the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. The Bible says he'll be saying, he'll be slaying them with the breath of his lips. Die, 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 die. And they'll just be disintegrated before him. So that same Savior that says, rise, be healed, be healed, that same Savior at that time, and he's King of kings and Lord of lords, he'll be using those lips to say, die, die, die. Because you're on the wrong side. Get on the right side while you have a chance. This is your opportunity this morning. Jesus Christ, their Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Lord God, you gave us a way out of this wrath to come. Lord, I read it in Thessalonians that you delivered us from the wrath to come. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you love us enough to care for us enough to save wicked sinners like we are, Lord God. And we don't deserve it, Lord God. That's why we give you all the honor and glory. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, 
And then with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.